One night last spring, I was attending yet another Zoom gathering. Only this one was different. It wasn't long-lost high school friends checking in with each other. It was people gathered for a purpose, to give each other permission. Everyone had arrived with some need to be excused, to be released from something by the group. We'd each written our own permission slips, just waiting for a signature. One person I remember wanted permission to take a day off without having to have a special reason. Another wanted permission to buy new bras and underwear even though theirs were technically still wearable. Another was asking permission to throw out a painting that had belonged to her mother that she'd been storing for years since her death but never really liked. And others were asking for permission for less tangible things, permission to, to not live up to other people's expectations of them, permission to be angry about what happened to them as a child, permission to cry uninhibitedly about their parents. And behind each request was a rule that we were asking the group to let us break. Most weren't official rules, nothing written down in law or an HR policy. These were the other kinds of rules, the ones we make for ourselves or inherit from our families or pick up from the culture, the rules inside us that usually carry so much more weight than the ones outside. The rule that says you have to keep things that your parents loved or else you'll be betraying them. The rule that says you have to wear your stretched out underwear until it's in tatters. The rule that says being a good person means you can't get angry no matter what has happened to you. The rule that says you're not allowed to cry because of your gender or your age or because other people have it worse than you or you have so much still to be thankful for. Maybe you have some of those rules, unwritten ones. Maybe ones you don't even think about ones that are so central to your life it's hard to even notice them, or ones that you notice all the time, ones you butt up against, ones you feel constrained by, ones that keep you from being fully yourself or living the life that you long to. I have those rules, lots of them, big rules to very, very small ones. I cut three paragraphs here about my rules for playing Wordle, which I'm happy to share with you on the way out. But that's just kind of my gift to you already in this sermon. (laughs) And not all my rules are bad rules. Some help to structure my life and make me more efficient. Some make me more kind and more generous. I have rules that keep me from constantly having to decide what to do in any given situation. But I also have rules that box me in and hold me back and steal my joy again, Wordle. That night at the Zoom gathering, I was going to ask the group permission to break one of those rules, one that probably seemed very small to everyone else, but one I knew that held me captive. It wasn't even a rule I was keeping. They don't need to be. Sometimes... Some of the rules that have the most power are the ones that I refuse to live by but still are set up as rules. The ones I allow to fill me with guilt and shame. I was bringing one of those to the group. 
one that was small enough that I was willing to admit to it in a group of people, a rule, yes, I'll just say it now, about birding. Here's what I had written down. As a birder, you're supposed to keep a life list. It's a big part of the thing. How many bird species have you seen, and where, and when? And I basically don't. I have some day lists saved on my phone. I have checklists from various parks that I've been to kind of stuffed into my field guides. I have this beautiful birding journal into which I dutifully added new birds for years with little notes to remind me where I was and who I was with and what happened on that day to make it special. But then at some point, I stopped and I haven't picked it up again. And I've probably seen 100 or 200 species since then, and they're nowhere. And as a result, I don't have anywhere to go back to to figure out which scoters I've seen and which I haven't, or whether a black-throated green warbler would be new or not. I know there are birds I've now forgotten seeing, birds I traveled across the country to forget seeing. And I feel guilty about it all. I especially feel guilty when birding friends ask specifics about my life list, and I can't tell them the answers. So may I please have permission to let go of listing for as long as I want to. And further, may I please have permission to accidentally celebrate a life bird twice because I forgot. Like I said, a small thing, but it had a real impact on me. Every time I'd see that journal sitting up on the shelf or come across some list of birds in my phone or, or find some bird that I wasn't sure if I'd seen before, I'd feel that pang of guilt. And like most of these rules, it wasn't just about the list, it was about what it represented. That I was letting people down, the people who had taught me how to do this, or the people who had gotten me that journal, or the people who had helped me see all these amazing species, some of which I'd now forgotten. And what it said about me that I would let them down in this way. I was bringing those people to that group that night, the guilt and shame that I felt toward them, a request to break the rule that I was already breaking, but to feel okay about it, to be released from it, to get permission. And I felt as the group was starting, like maybe this is not such a big deal, maybe this is like a silly thing to ask permission for, this small rule about like a hobby that I do just for fun. And then Karen signed in, a person that under any other circumstances I would have been thrilled to see one of my best friends in the world, and at that point, the person I least wanted to see in the world, because she was the one. She's my birding buddy, the one who had given me that journal, the one with whom I had seen those birds, the one whose disappointed face I projected every time in my mind, every time I broke the rules about updating my life list. She was there, and my face turned bright red, and my palms started to sweat, and I turned off my camera, and I wondered if I could just sign off and maybe leave the building and perhaps 
disappear into the wilderness somewhere. Anything to not have to admit my rule-breaking. And, and my small rule no longer seemed small. And I realized just how much power it had over me, frozen there at the computer, trying to think of any way out of this. This is not how it's supposed to be. That's the point that Jesus is trying to make in his story. It's the Sabbath day. And he and his disciples are walking through a grain field for some reason on their way somewhere, and a few of them start to pull off little heads of grain and pop them in their mouths. And that's against the rules. You can't harvest on the Sabbath. And as it happens, there are religious leaders nearby, and they see all of this happening, and they stop Jesus and, and ask him why he's letting them break the rules. And people have made a lot of different meaning out of this passage that Jesus was saying people shouldn't keep the Sabbath anymore or that they should keep it differently or not as strictly, but this story isn't really about the Sabbath or not only about the Sabbath. It's about all the rules we keep or break, big or small. This story is, is one of several in a row right at the beginning of Mark, kind of introducing who Jesus is by having him break a bunch of rules. Rules about Sabbath, rules about fasting, rules about associating with tax collectors, rules about honoring your parents. He breaks them all. Not because some of them aren't good or, or useful. He ke keeps them at other times in other stories. He rests. He says there will be a season for fasting. He honors his mother from the cross. But he begins the story by breaking them all. And our passage, I think, explains why. He tells the people who question him, the Sabbath was made for humankind, not, the human, not humankind for the Sabbath. Which is far from saying, don't keep that rule. He's saying the rule was made for you. It's, it's a gift. It's not really about the rule at all, but about how you hold it, how you hold all of your rules the ones you make up, the ones you receive, the ones you inherit, all of those rules, or at least the good ones, they're made for you, for your good, to make life easier and happier and more just and more peaceful, to make you more kind and more generous. Your rules, the, the good ones, are made to help you flourish. But sometimes they don't. Sometimes they hold you captive. Sometimes they paralyze you. Sometimes they fill you with guilt and shame. Sometimes a rule starts good and becomes bad over time, the way you hold it. Sometimes they make life harder and less happy and less just and less peaceful and make us less kind and generous. Hold us back from being the people we were created to be. Sometimes rules become an end in themselves. And you humans, Jesus says, forget that the rule is made for you. Not you for the rule. And when that happens, you should break that rule as fast as you can. As soon as you notice it. Right at the beginning. You have permission. I texted Rebecca to tell her that Karen was on the Zoom and there was no way I was possibly going through this. And she fessed up. 
knowing what I was asking permission for, she'd invited the person who could actually grant it. And the thing that I was terrified to say in front of her, she already knew. And she had shown up anyway. The guilt and shame I couldn't confess to her, she was there to relieve it, to set me free from it. To remind me that I wasn't made for that anyway. This was not how it was supposed to be. And I kept my camera off and broke down a little bit because it was a very, very small rule, but being loved in that way is huge. Rebecca knew what Jesus knows, that to really be relieved from a rule, you need to hear it from someone with authority. Not just anyone is allowed to sign your permission slip. That's why Jesus says what he says next. The Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, Jesus is Lord even of the Sabbath. In other words, God is the God of the Sabbath. And God is the God of fasting. And God is the God of honoring your parents. And God is the God of absolutely everything. Of every rule you follow and all the ones you break. The ones you follow unaware and the ones that fill you with guilt and shame in every moment. The ones that make your life better and the ones that keep you from the person you were created to be. From the small to the very, very big. None of them is larger than God. The one who created you, who loves you. Who wants you and all of your neighbors to flourish That God is the God of every rule that is holding you captive. Every rule from which you long to be set free. That one has signed your permission slip. Break that rule as fast as you can. <laughs>